Please have a seat. Well, my name is Liz Gray, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here, and it's lovely to have you all worshipping with us this morning in relative cool, perhaps, it might be described. Hello, Zoomies. It's good to have you with us as well. Always delightful to know that we are in multiple places. wonder how many of you watched any of the Olympics recently. I don't know. Uh, Zoomies, you can put your hands up as well. I don't know if there's some of you, but I guess most of us watched at least something or saw photographs of people kind of excelling physically in all sorts of ways, whether they jumping around or hitting balls or shooting things. I don't know. So many ways that people could do extraordinary things with their bodies. And I don't know how many of you also, perhaps at the beginning of the pandemic, had, if you've read that book by Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 Hours Makes You an Expert, whether at the beginning of the pandemic you thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to have all this time, I'm going to just become an expert something, you know, expert piano player, expert, I don't know, writer of poetry, expert something. But my guess is that for most of us, although we may have had 10,000 hours pass by over the last year and a half, we don't, haven't yet achieved Olympic-style excellence in anything. But kids, as you are sitting and thinking this morning, I was wondering about um, what you like to do and what the things are that you think you're pretty good at or you'd like to be better at. And maybe it's dancing or drawing or writing poems, all the things that we like to do. And I thought perhaps while I am talking for the next 15 minutes or so, you may like to write a poem or reflect on something. Maybe you even just look at your hand and marvel at how amazing it is. Aren't hands incredible? The ways they can do things, they can throw things, they can draw, they can write. So maybe you would like to just think and thank God today about for your hand or some other aspect of the way that your body moves or does things. I'm going to talk some more about our bodies in a little while, but before I do so, I just want us to pause for a moment. There was a line in that psalm that we heard read earlier, which where the psalmist talked about the boundaries, boundaries of his life falling in pleasant places. And this may indeed have been the psalmist's contextual situation on the day when he sat down and wrote that psalm. And perhaps that's the way you're feeling today about your life in Nova, as we are in extraordinary pleasant times. When you think of all that we have, the security and safety, the thing, air conditioning, books, school, education, relative wealth, our surroundings are indeed very, very, very pleasant. But today we want to just remember our brothers and sisters around the world, and particularly in Afghanistan and Haiti, and places where we have seen fires and floods. And we want to remember every country that we pray for week by week through this very long pandemic, through global financial instability, global warming. Being in a pleasant place is simply not the experience of many, many people today. And so for the psalmist, that might have been his experience, but I think it is also a promise, a promise of what is to come. And we hold on to that hope that for each of us there will be a day when we experience literally living in pleasant places. But perhaps for many of our friends around the world today, they might turn to a different psalm, perhaps Psalm 49, 
Surely, surely God will redeem my life from Sheol. And so today, as we remember our pleasant places, and we'll be talking more about that in a moment, let us too just remember that is not the case for many. Many this week will die in violence from man or climate, not knowing a place of pleasant life. And so today, we contrast our ease and surroundings, and we should be very, very grateful and also mindful that we are in the situation because we had the blessing of being born here. Many of you, I'm sure, are also very diligent and hardworking, but we are people of privilege and opportunity and therefore responsibility. And so to this week and in the days ahead, I urge us all to pray diligently, to find ways to seek and to serve our neighbors with every ounce of our multiple and plentiful resources. And we'll keep you posted as we think about ways, perhaps, that we could be reaching out to the fresh wave of refugees who are going to come to this country. But also I urge you to watch and pray as the news comes up day by day. I came across this prayer this week for Afghanistan, and I'm going to pray it now. For those who are fleeing sanctuary, for those who are staying safety, for those who are fighting peace, for those who are breaking comfort, and for those who see no future hope. We pray these things in the name of Jesus for our brothers and sisters around the world, but particularly for those in Afghanistan today. Amen. And so now we turn to a rather different topic. We look at that, again, look at that passage from Ephesians today. And uh, mindful that we have the capacity to pause and reflect and consider. And so Paul in Ephesians, the first half there, asks us to consider our physical bodies. Now, as you look at your own physical body today, I don't know, it might be somewhat a delightful thing or something problematic. Perhaps you're somebody who likes your body. Perhaps there are aspects of it that are okay, but others that you're not so keen on. Perhaps the things that you want to be different, you'd love to be able to dance differently or bend or move and be, express yourself with more grace. Perhaps you experience times when your body is simply doesn't work the way you would like it to. There are imbalances in chemicals or muscles or bones. None of us have perfect bodies, and we all do somewhat, I'm going to use the word battle, even that doesn't, that seems a bit aggressive with our bodies in different ways. And we live in a world which has death and decay, and we see our brokenness in our physical beings. And perhaps there are also ways that, although there are things that we know and understand about our bodies, and perhaps scientists and doctors have told us things which allow us to address them in different ways, but there are also things that we can't see in our bodies, especially the ways that they store memories and trauma, or even complex trauma. And in fact, the complex trauma that some of our bodies have stored up might not be the result of something we have actually personally been engaged with, but it might be something which is to do with generations of systemic neglect or poverty in our family lines, or the lasting legacy of a variety of things through our genealogical lines. 
And there is a frustration of not always understanding the ways our bodies are working or what's going on below the surface. And again, we're mindful of our brothers and sisters around the world who may indeed even today be experiencing deep trauma in their bodies, physical, emotional, and spiritual. The way that memories root deep down and how all of us need space and time and care and a way to process in a safe space with safe people to deal with those streams of trauma in our bodies. And since God first engaged with Adam and Eve and they, he gave them an opportunity to live in a life of trust with him and they chose to turn, they chose to turn from trusting God and they chose to follow their own way and at that point, shame was invited into the Garden of Eden. And God gave the man and the woman consequences. And he told the woman, I'm going to greatly increase your pangs in childbirth. In pain, you shall bring forth children. And to the man, he said, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, you are dust, and to dust you will return. This reminder that when humans, when people turned to, chose to turn away from God, we became people who would experience pain and brokenness and that we would reveal the consequences of that sin in our ultimate disintegration and death. To dust, we will return. And so if Christians have tried to sort out what it is that God says about our bodies and the things they do, there's often a sign of kind of like danger alert. And instead of your body is a beautifully integrated part, part of you with your mind and your heart, instead sometimes there's come across a message of your body is bad. Your body is dangerous. Your body is sinful and harmful. There's been a lot of teaching Sadly, also in the church with things like the purity movement or I Kiss Dating Goodbye with Joshua Harris. Times where instead of promoting a joyful delight in our bodies, there's been much which may have come from good intentions initially, but much that then turned to shame. Our surrounding culture also can give very strong messages about boys and girls and how they should be and how they should view their bodies. And all too often... We have uncritically simply absorbed those messages about the ways that we should look at our bodies. And to be fair, that passage in Ephesians gives a whole chunk of things which Paul is suggesting we should pay a lot of attention to. I think I counted 15, but they were, came into three kind of categories. He said, first of all, there's stuff you mustn't do. And the, the big word at the beginning was don't fornicate. Okay, don't have sex with people outside of marriage. I agree, sex should be something which is confined to a committed, faithful, monogamous, mar marital relationship. And then he also said, things we mustn't consume. The way Paul put it was, don't be greedy. Well, these days I think you can be greedy in lots of different ways. You can be greedy in the stuff you eat and the stuff you drink, but you can also be greedy in the things that you consume with your eyes and with your body and with your hands. So Paul says, watch your appetites. Watch your appetites. Don't eat and drink the wrong stuff or the wrong amount of stuff. Be careful what you consume. And then the third category Paul mentions, the things that we mustn't say. Paul urges us to watch our tongues, how we engage with those around us. 
And of course, he highlighted speech, but we could add on a social media and Facebook and emails and all these other ways that we communicate with each other. And so we must watch what we do, we must watch what we consume, and we must watch what we say. And I guess for all of us, we've all done and said some of those things. So what next? Are our bodies simply bad and dangerous? But listen to what else Paul says. He says, for once you were in darkness, but now you are in the light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. There is a deep reminder that God cares for us and he cares, cares about our bodies. He made our bodies, but he calls us to live in the light. And perhaps this is another way we can look at that verse from Psalms. He calls us to live within boundaries. And he has set boundaries around us. He has set physical boundaries for our bodies that will enable them to live in the light. And God sees us inside and outside, and his desire is for us to live well in our situations. And of course, there is evil in our world, and we experience that in different amounts and ways wherever we live. But how do we respond right now with this news about our bodies. First of all, let's just sit there for a moment and just remember the creation story. Gave, God gave us these bodies. In Genesis, it says he made us and we were very good. And then in Eden, God gave so many yeses. He said, yes, you can eat and drink everything. Yes, you can eat, go anywhere. Yes, you can commune with me in the evenings. Yes, you can walk and talk. Just there's one thing, trust me, trust me, leave that tree alone. God was asking his people to live in the goodness of what he was surrounding them with, but to understand that there were boundaries. And so Paul gives us some no's, but he also gives us then a ton of yeses as well. Paul invites us to be imitators of God as beloved children. He invites us to live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice. He invites us to be thankful, to be daily thankful for the things that we have been given and the things that we're surrounded by. He invites us to live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. He invites us to pay attention, to look for what is good and right and true. I love that halfway through this, Paul then sort of shouts out, wake up, O sleeper, which was probably an old baptismal hymn. Wake up, O sleeper. We have to take note. We have to be careful, as Paul says, how we live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of our time, understanding what the will of the Lord is. And as Megan read it, that passage ends with the invitation to be filled with the Spirit, an invitation to be grateful and thankful and to sing and to make hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, to make melody to the Lord in our hearts, giving thanks at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul urges us to make some very, very deliberate choices. He instructs us to exercise control over our bodies because our bodies matter and how we tend them matters. Paul tells us to stay inside the very broad lines God has given us, to stay in the light and to be deliberate. 
But it's not just a grit your teeth, try harder, do the 10,000 hours kind of stuff. Because actually Paul also then says, delightfully, be filled with the spirit. And we are a glorious mix of body and spirit. That's why it's so good that Jesus became a man. He became incarnate. He inhabited one of these things. And it was good and it was very good. And then ultimately, as Jesus went towards the cross, his body was broken by the evil in the world. First of all, by soldiers beating him, and then by being nailed to a cross, and then by taking on our brokenness. Amy preached a couple of really great sermons recently on John chapter 6, and Jesus' message about the bread of life and how he was to be the bread that was to be broken. But even as he did so, in verse 63 in John 6, Jesus says this, It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So as we examine our complicated relationships with our somewhat messy and functional and dysfunctional bodies, Jesus reminds us, hey, you've got the spirit. You are body and spirit together. You invite my spirit into your life. And that's what brings life. There are consequences in choosing to follow Jesus. And I actually love that passage from Joshua as well, where Joshua always almost seems to be saying to the people, uh, don't do this because you're not up to it. You can't do it. It's going to be too hard. You're going to fall away. It's going to be bad. And the people are so determined and they say, yes, we will follow God. We are going to give him our best. And then in Jesus, we hear that he is willing to take us and our best and to fill us with our ho his Holy Spirit so that we can flourish in the places he has put us. And the psalm finishes off with, Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. And with that gift of the Holy Spirit, there is hope for our body as we come, continue to go through this pandemic. And all of our bodies are somewhat weary, even in this good and pleasant land that we live in. Our bodies are tired of being managing safety. Our bodies are tired of looking after others. Our bodies are tired of making choices like wearing masks and getting vaccinated and meeting outdoors. And we want things to be easier and more pleasant, but we continue to watch very carefully what we do, what we eat, what we drink, what we consume, who we have sex with, because it matters. It matters because our bodies were made to coexist with our hearts and minds. And they were made good, and the Spirit is going to be helping us as we make those choices. And there are consequences as we pay attention to our bodies. And so, of course, the one thing is for us to know, the million-dollar question, if you like, is how do I know if I'm about to cross one of those lines? How do I know if I'm stepping out of my boundaries? How do I know if this is good or that's bad? Well... You may simply know because there's a stirring of the Holy Spirit in you which nudges you and tells you. I think God is pretty good at doing that. But I would also invite you to talk to somebody, to pay attention, to find somebody you trust and to ask them. Say, I'm feeling a bit uncertain about this behavior. Will you talk to me? Will you help me understand what it is that's good or bad? And a couple of weeks ago, I wrote a blog about my story, and I talked about a woman called Mary, who I went to for the first time with my story. I chose someone I trusted who could give me good advice and could, who could say, this is good, that's not good. 
So if you're not sure about the boundaries that you're living in, find someone to talk to. It could be Amy or Katie or Josie or me. But bring one person into your story and say, am I behaving in the light here? And be reminded there, there is no shame too deep, no story too hard, no grief too griefsome, no disobedience so irksome. God's heard it all before. Nothing bars you from grace because God loves and cares about your story. And so invite someone to be with you in it. There are a couple of other points I would like you to note in our weekly service. It's good when we come together to pray and to be here. But as I've talked about the Holy Spirit being in our bodies, there are two times in our service where we pay particular attention to what's going on in our bodies. And the first one is when we read the gospel. I don't know if you noticed Katie doing this during the gospel reading, asking God to be in her mind, on her lips, and in her heart. Honestly, I'm so low church, you have to drag me up to do almost anything. But I have become kind of convinced about some of this crossing stuff because it brings attention. It helps us to remember that we want God to be in our heads. We want him to be in our lips. We want him to be in our hearts. And really, those are the three areas that Paul was talking about earlier. And so when we do that, we're saying, Holy Spirit, will you come again and be in us? And then there's a moment in communion a little bit later where either I or Katie, when we um, celebrate the communion, we will, we will say, sanctify us also. It's after, just after we've, we've prayed over the bread and the wine, we do this. And we ask, God, will you sanctify us also that we may worthily receive this holy sacrament and be made one body with him that he may dwell in us and we in him. This time we make the big cross. Okay, the other one was called the little cross. This one's the big one. Maybe you're pretty low church as well. I don't know. You've all come from different backgrounds. But can I invite you to do something with your body as we ask God to fill us? as we ask the Holy Spirit to come, as we ask him to be in our hearts and lips and mouths and hearts. Because you know what? He does. And as we consume bread and wine later, or as we ask to be blessed, the Holy Spirit is at work in you and in your body. And the Holy Spirit is working to drive out those places of temptation and darkness and brokenness that are in you. So this week, as you find yourself tempted to step outside those pleasant boundary lines, to step out of the light into some aspect of darkness which has you hooked, remember, on Sunday you ask the Holy Spirit to sanctify your body. And do it again. Say, sanctify me. Sanctify me. And step back into the light. For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. As is customary at the end of whatever these are called, sermons, homilies, little thoughts, we take a few moments of silence. And this morning I'm going to pray for us before we do that. And if you'd like to, I'd invite you to maybe hold out your hands or cross yourself. Or do something with your body which engages as I pray. 
Let's ask the Holy Spirit to be in us and in our bodies this week. As always, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, who was incarnate, who was fleshly like us and who had a body. Thank you that he could tell us that you need flesh and spirit to be whole. And so now, Holy Spirit, will you come and fill our bodies and minds and hearts and tongues? Will you highlight places where we need to confess, where we have indulged in darkness? Will you help us to get into grips with addictions and bad patterns of behavior? Will you help us to even see where there are addictions in our lives, compulsions, habits? And Holy Spirit, will you come into our community as we engage with one another, will you help us to keep open lines of communication? Will you help us to help each other to stay in the light, to stay in the boundaries that you have given us? And this morning we pray again too. Will you be with the bodies of our brothers and sisters around the world who are physically and geographically not in pleasant places? Will you help them to pay attention to what's happening in their own bodies, minds, and spirits? Will you shield, protect, and guide them? Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you know and understand us fully. And we ask you, will you reign in each one of our bodies today? Amen.